We have a Gemara Masecha Sanhedrin, Ayin Aleph Hamad Aleph, where the Gemara tells us that there are three different distinct mitzvos, Shalohayu Velo Asidin Lihios, three mitzvos in the Torah that never actually happened and never will happen in the future. What are those three? One is from last week's Parsha, where the Torah tells us about the story of the Ben Sower Umorer, which is a very, very unlikely set of circumstances. The Torah tells us that you have a boy who's the age of Bar Mitzvah, a very specific uh, segment of time in his life, and he is acting in inappropriate ways, and his parents, the Torah says that it has to have his mother and his father have the same pitch and tone of voice, which is basically impossible, that never happens, and everything that lies behind the circumstances of the Ben Surah is so unlikely that the Gemara says, Lo haya velo asad lios. It never was, and it never will be in the future. The second example the Gemara gives is Yirhani Dachas. Yirhani Dachas is also found in Sefer Dvarim, where the Torah outlines a very unfortunate situation when you have a city of otherwise very regular practicing Orthodox Jews who all decide that they want to go ahead and become Ovdeva Dezerah. And the Torah tells us the response, the reaction that we have to have to such a city. And the Torah says, Hachreim tacharimim, you have to destroy the city, obliterate it. Nobody could ever remember that there was a trace of this town, so much so that the post can discuss, what do you do about the mezuzahs in the town? What do you do about the bate nesses? Do you destroy the shuls? Do you destroy the mezuzahs? Kisve HaKodesh? What does it mean you burn it down to the ground? How far do we go with that? But basically, it is such an unlikely circumstance that you're going to have a group of people, an entire community that is going to start serving Abu Zara, that is so unlikely, when does that ever happen? And therefore the Gemara says, this is another example of something that is something that never happened, and something that in the future will never happen either. And number three, the Torah tells us in Parshas Mitzorah all about somebody who has negat saras, somebody who is inflicted with leprosy, so the Torah first introduces us to somebody who has saras on their skin, then it goes further to somebody who has taras on their begadim, somebody who has taras on their clothing. And finally, the Torah describes someone who has taras, which is referred to as nige batin, which means that you have some kind of leprosy on the house. Now, it's a very unlikely circumstance. Somebody's going to have leprosy on their house. First of all, who's looking at the bricks to figure out where there would be a, some kind of condition that would sprout up on the bricks of their house? And all of the circumstances surrounding the story of Bayez Amanuka is so unlikely that the Gemara tells us that all three of these are lohaya, velo asad lios. Now the obvious question is, then why are they listed in the Torah? Why does the Torah need to tell us about something that is totally irrelevant to our lives, that never will happen, never has happened? Why do we need to know about it? So the Gemara tells us, the reason why is because drosh v'kabal If you learn the halachos of irane dachas, of ba'is ha'menuga, of ben sor you will get schar, you will get reward for the Torah that you have studied. Now I ask you, the Torah, as we know, is Arucha Mida You could sit and study Torah for the rest of your life, every day and every night, and you will still never figure out every last detail of Torah that you need to know. So it's not as if we were missing something. It's not as if we were bored and we had nothing to do. And the Torah says, you know what? I'm going to give you an extra few little things to learn because we were concerned that you're going to have nothing to do with your extra time. So what does it mean when the Torah gives us three mitzvahs that are completely irrelevant? What is the point of those three mitzvahs. The Balatanya develops the theme and he explains, perhaps what this is all about is as follows. We know we say it in Ashri every day, Gadol Hashem HaKadosh Baruch Hu is so vast, is so beyond our comprehension, he's so beyond our understanding, 
we have no way of tapping into an understanding of what the Ribbon Shalom is really all about. The Navi tells us, There's such a chasm that exists between our understanding and the Ribbon Shalom's understanding of how he runs the world. Moshe Rabbeinu, Adon Hanavim, the greatest of all the prophets, wanted very much to understand Hodieni Nadarachacha. He wanted to understand the inner workings of the world and why does the Ribbonu Shalom, why does God do certain things in certain ways? What's the purpose? What's the reason? And even Moshe Rabbeinu was not given that insight. Moshe Rabbeinu was not privy to that understanding. So we will never have the ability to fully understand HaKadosh Baruch Hu. But yet we are expected to come to know Him. Ahavas Hashem. How can we love an entity that we know nothing about? I'm not calling out a certain community, but I, I've wondered at Hasidish weddings that I've attended in the past. They have a b'show, it's called, chasen and kala, go on one date to a prearranged marriage. Then they come to a wedding a year after they met each other and got engaged. And they get married and they're supposed to love each other. Now, it works. In their community, it, it works. The same way... Dating works in our community. It seems to work in their community as well. People are happily married and raising beautiful families, and it's great. But the question I always wonder is, how are you expected to love a person that you really don't know anything about, that you've never really met? You saw them one time. It's a fascinating reality. Again, it does work. But it's difficult. It's hard to come to that understanding. It's hard to come to that appreciation. So how are we supposed to have an avas Hashem? How are we supposed to come to a love and appreciation of HaKadosh Baruch Hu when we know nothing about Him? When we have no way of relating to Him? And the answer to that, says the Balatanya, is as follows. Tzimtzim HaKadosh Baruch Hu Ritzono B'Chafmaso B'Taryag Mitzvah HaTorah U'Behil Choseyem HaKadosh Baruch Hu, God, basically limited Himself and gave us some kind of portrayal of His essence in the Torah. When a person studies Torah, it makes them have a little bit of a glimpse of an understanding of what the Ribbonu Shalom really represents. I always find it interesting. You can spend your whole life learning Torah. My children go to school, sometimes they come home and I ask them, what have you learned? What were, what were they teaching? And they'll tell me, we learned this Gemara, this Mishnah, this Chumash, this Parsha, this thing, whatever it is. And at no point in that discussion is God ever mentioned. How can you learn the Torah of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Torah Hashem, without having an understanding that what we're doing in that activity is to come closer, to come to a more mature understanding of what God represents in all of our lives. And that really is what the study of Torah is all about. When the Ramban describes what Torah is in his introduction to his commentary on Chumash, the Ramban quotes a comment of the Zohar HaKadosh, where the Zohar writes that, Kol HaTorah Kula is Shmosav Shel HaKadosh Baruch Hu. The essence, the entirety of Torah is basically Shmosav Shel HaKadosh Baruch Hu. It is the name of God Himself. The more you learn Torah, the more you understand the characteristic of what the Ribbon Shalom is. You understand the personality of who HaKadosh Baruch Hu is. The Ribbon Shalom Himself is Lo Yirani HaAdam Achai. A person cannot come to a full and complete comprehension, but at least we can come to some kind of understanding. And the way that we do that, my father likes to explain. Imagine you have, we have a lot of bio majors here. Imagine you have a child in elementary school and you're trying to explain to them the fundamentals of science. Now, of course, this child is not going to understand what you understand now at a college level. And of course, 
you at your college level is not going to understand what the astrophysicist has spent 25 years studying. Of course you can't understand that. But we want to give a basic understanding to a child in elementary school of what the underpinnings, what the fundamentals of science are all about. So what do we do? We're trying to explain to them what atomic energy is. How are you going to explain that to a child? There's no way of explaining it. So what do you do? The teacher, if they are a good educator, will bring in three different balls. And they're going to bring in the green ball and the yellow ball and the blue ball. And they're going to move them all around and they're going to say, this is the protons, neutrons, and electrons. And that's the way they're going to explain it. Now, to a major scientist, to a major physicist, it's laughable. The explanation that you're giving is obviously insufficient. But at the level of the child that's being taught this material, these fundamentals of science, this is the greatest way that we can teach them. This is the most effective way to impart that knowledge and that information. And the same is with the essence of HaKadosh Baruch There is no way to come to an understanding of the essence of the Rebona Shalom directly from the source. This is something that is so beyond anyone's comprehension. Lo yirani ha'adam v'chai. A person will never come to that appreciation. However, the Rebona Shalom gives us a mashal. He gives us, on an elementary level, the opportunity to have some kind of understanding. Like the lesson in the basics of science, where we bring it down to the level of the people that we're teaching, and we try to present them whatever we can to make them have an understanding of what it is that we're trying to impart. And the same is with HaKadosh Baruch There's a very fascinating point that the Ramah makes. Now again, just to close up the first piece that we said. So why is it that there are three mitzvahs in the Torah that are not relevant, that there is no way to really ever implement their teachings, but yet they are in the Torah anyway? The answer is because the entire corpus of Torah is something that gives us an appreciation for what God is all about. And this is part of that description. Part of that description includes these three mitzvos, which are part of the essence of God, and that is why they are there. Why they are not relevant is a good question. God will figure that out. But why they are in the Torah is because it helps us round out the picture and the personality and the characteristics of what God is all about. The Rambam writes something very, very interesting. We have the Yud Gimel, the 13 principles of faith, the Yud Gimel Ikari HaEmunah. And the Rambam there writes in Iker Tess, in the ninth of these principles, he says, Zos HaTorah lo tehemuchlefes. This Torah will never change. Says the Rambam, I challenge you. How do we know that that exists, that that concept is true? How do you know that the Torah will never change? Find me a Pasuk in Chumash where it says that the Torah will always remain the same. Even at a time when it's countercultural, when the Torah's values are not appreciated in the country that you live in, the Torah will never change. Where does the Torah ever say that? Where do we have a Pasuk in Chumash? Says the Ramah, I found the source for this Salah. And the source is in Sefer Malachi. When the Navi writes, listen carefully, Ani Hashem Lo Shinisi. Ani Hashem Lo Shinisi. Translate the words. It means, I, God, have not changed. And from here, says the Rambam, we learn, Zos HaTorah Lo that the Torah will never change. Because that is one and the same. The same way that God transcends any generation, any person, any individual, any community. He's greater than anything that time will ever be able to show us. So too, the Torah, which is the essence and the interpretation of what God is in our lives, will never change either. And says the Rambam, that is why the proof text for this halacha of Zos HaTorah Lo Tehemuchlefes is learned from this idea of Ani Hashem Lo Shinisi. There's a fascinating Gemara, Meseches Babakama, where the Gemara tells a story about the Roman government was concerned that maybe there was some discrimination between the laws in the Torah that govern Jew and Jew, 
and the laws that govern Jew when they interact with a non-Jew. And the Roman government decided to send two officers to the Chachme Yisrael, to the Jewish sages, to find out whether or not there was in fact some kind of discrimination in the halacha, and the law that governs how we interact with non-Jews versus how we interact with Jews. And they come along and they ask the following question. What would the halacha say if the property, the animal of a Jew were to damage the property of another Jew? What would the halacha dictate? And what would the halacha say if instead of it damaging the property of another Jew, it damaged the property of a non-Jew? And in fact, there is a discrepancy. The halacha does differentiate between one scenario and the other. And as a result of that, they were killed. The Chachme Yisrael gave the right answer. Now, imagine if you were the one who was asked this question. If I was asked the question, I would have lied. I would have given an answer that wasn't truth. Why would I have done that? Not because I'm a dishonest person, but rather because I would be afraid for my life. And I know that the Torah says, The Torah assumes that the greatest value in life is human life itself. And therefore, as much as we make sure to always tell the truth, when my life depends on it, I'm not going to tell the truth. What are the only exceptions to that rule? When do we say that, although there are three times when we would say that something else would trump pikuach nefesh, what would that be? Avodah Zarah, Gili Arayas, and Shlichas Dameh. Those are the only three exceptions. If my life depends on it, I'm allowed to eat non-kosher food, and I'm not obligated to starve. I'm not obligated to give up my life. If I was asked to be Mechal Shabbos, I would be Mechal Shabbos. Let's say we have somebody who needs medical attention. We would drive them to the hospital on Shabbos. We would violate Shabbos in every way in order to give them the help that they need because Tikuach Nefesh is an important value. So why did the Chachmei Yisrael decide to tell the truth and risk their lives when they knew that in doing so, they may lose their lives? What was the point? Wouldn't it have been better if they lied? And then Maharshal in his commentary on the Gemara explains the reason why is because the three exceptions to the rule are Abu Zarah, Gili Arayos, and Shvichas Damen. If you misrepresent, mischaracterize the Torah, that is tantamount to Abu Zarah. It means you are misrepresenting God Himself. And therefore, as a result of that, the Chachme Yisrael said, although our lives will be in danger if we tell the truth, we have no option but to tell the truth. Because the Torah is the representation of God Himself, and if you misrepresent the Torah, you are misrepresenting the Rebona Shalom. It's interesting, the Nefesh HaChaim, Reb Chaim writes, the most fundamental tefillah that every Jew says every day is, Shema Yisrael Hashem Elokeinu Hashem Achad. And in Ve'ahavta we say, you should love HaKadosh Baruch Hu Ve'ahavta Hashem Elokecha B'chalavavcha B'chal Nafshecha B'chal Niyodecha V'hayu Hadvarim Ha'ila Asher Anochi Mitzamcha Yom Alavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavav
And we ask that HaKadosh Baruch Hu should allow our children to follow in this path. And we say in the end, Kulanu Yodei Shemecha Velomdei Sarasecha Lishma. What that means is, by learning the Torah, we will become the people who are Yodei Shemecha. The only way to come to an appreciation and understanding of what the essence of God is, is by learning His Torah and by mastering and understanding what it represents for all of us in our lives. I see we don't have a lot of time, so let me just close with the following thought. You know, this is obviously the season of tshuva, and it's something that should be on the forefront of all of our minds as we go into Rosh Hashanah, Sarasimei Tshuva, Yimei Aslichos, Yom HaKippurim. And obviously the bracha Shmona Esrei that is most relevant to this time of the year, I shouldn't say that because every bracha is relevant to every day, but certainly something we should put extra focus on is Hashivenu Avinu Secha. how strange it is that when we talk about tshuva, what we think about in doing so is Hashivenu Avinu Secha. Because the greatest way to come back to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, to come to an understanding of what the Rebbe Shalom is, is by studying His Torah. That will bring us to a complete opportunity of tshuva once we engage in the act of Limad Torah. And that's really what we're here to do. And that's really what we hope to accomplish together. To have the opportunity to learn HaKadosh Baruch Hu's Torah, but in doing so, to come to a greater understanding and appreciation of who the Ribbon Shalom is in our lives and how much we need to come close to Him. How much we have the opportunity to come to an understanding of what his essence is all about. The Ramah writes in the first simon in Shulchan Aruch, the very first sif, simon Aleph, Sif Aleph, says the Ramah, Lo yebosh adam hamal igim alav. Don't ever be ashamed or embarrassed of other people who are going to laugh at you. We live in a very judgmental society. Not only people from the outside who judge us, but people on the inside who judge each other as well. We are very judgmental of each other. And it's important that we never feel uncomfortable. Everybody has their own opportunity to connect with God, to have an appreciation of what the Ribbon Shalala means to us, of how we're going to have a meaningful relationship with Him. And it's something that you should never be ashamed or embarrassed of just because some people connect in other ways. All of them are legitimate, all of them are sincere, and all of them are fair. And it's important for us to realize that we don't all need to fit into the same mold of how we connect and what exactly makes us feel connected. My father always used to tell us, the Gemara says in Masechah Sanhedrin, that whenever a melech, whenever a king takes the mantle of leadership, one of the instructions he's given in Parsha Shoftim is, he has to write a Sefer Torah, v'karobo kol yemei chayev. He has to write a Sefer Torah and he has to have the Sefer Torah with him every day of his life, wherever he goes, wherever he travels, every meeting he's at. He always needs to have the Sefer Torah writes the Gemara, what happens if his father was a king and his father already commissioned the writing of a Sefer Torah and now he just took over the position. Says the Gemara, Even though one's father, one's parents may have written a Sefer Torah and they gave it to you as a Yerusha, as an inheritance, you still need to write your own Sefer Torah when you become king. My father often told us, that that does not only apply to a melech, it applies to every Jew. Even if your parents may have left you over an amazing legacy and they're very well connected to God and they have some kind of relationship that's meaningful to them, it's important, mitzvah sheyichta mishalo, that we spend the time and effort in our own lives to write 
to fashion our own Sefer Torah, our own relationship with the Ribbonu Shalom, to make it meaningful to us, to say that not only is it Elokei Avi, not only is it the God of my father, but it's my God, Zekeli Va'anveyu. I'm going to make a relationship that's meaningful to me. I'm going to connect with the Ribbonu Shalom in a way that's going to be something that is uniquely special to my kind of life and to remember, like the Ramah says, Lo Yebosh Mepnei Hamal'igim Alav. The same way, if I open the business venture, and I knew that I'm going toward a great success, and I'm about to become a publicly traded company, I'm about to make millions of dollars on my idea, and there are other people laughing at me because they don't understand and they don't appreciate the value of what it is that I'm about to put in the public sphere. Would I stop doing this great business venture because other people are laughing at me? Or would I say, in my own privacy of my own life, I'm going to laugh at them? Because who's going to have the last laugh? I'm being successful. I know what I'm doing. I'm holding on to something that is a successful product. Other people may not appreciate it yet, but that doesn't make me stop. And says the Ramah, that's what it means. And it's important for all of us as we go through these developmental stages in our lives, and these are very critical years in your lives, to have the opportunity to be strong in your commitments, to be strong in your understandings, to allow yourselves to have the opportunity to grow it's not something that's going to happen unless you put a conscious effort into wanting to grow, into wanting to make a solid and firm commitment to what HaKadosh Baruch Hu means in your life, not only at this stage, but as life continues to develop. Amir Tashem, you'll all get married and you'll have families and you're going to move into a community and all of that brings complication with it. But when we have a firm, fundamental commitment to what it means to be a person who is an Eved Hashem, a person who connects with God, a person who understands and relates to what HaKadosh Baruch Hu means to their lives, it makes all the journey of life much easier when you have the firm commitment now. And that is really what we're here to do. We're going to learn halacha along the way as well, but really what we're here to do is to come and try to develop and grow a kesher, a relationship that is chazak, that is strong, that is meaningful, that is something that is unique and special to us, and to have an opportunity to thank HaKadosh Baruch Hu every day. This is an opportunity of eternal nature. And that's really what all of us should strive for in our own lives, in our own avodah. And I hope, I hope it's something that we'll be able to accomplish together. So I wish everyone a wonderful day.